Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. My name is Brad, and my wife Shelby and I are a part of the Central Campus Leadership Team, and we love being down there. God's doing amazing things, just even coming through for a venue and a space for us to be in, um, seeing new people come through those doors, seeing people's lives be changed. Uh, I'll always feel that there's a home here, as we've spent so many years um, in this location and with the people that are a part of this leadership team, and I'm, I'm so thankful for opportunities of just allowing God to mentor and move me through leaders of the house here and to um, encourage me to rise up into the person God's called me to be. And I do hope that this morning, uh, as we talk about relationships, that something can move within you of what is God calling me into, whether it's a serving opportunity whether it's to step into leadership, whether it's to ask for forgiveness in a relationship, but for an action step of something to take place that God is leading you into. I love about our church that we're a relationally driven church, that we believe in seeing people connected to Jesus, but also connected to others. So as we launch into this topic about rethinking relationships and thinking about God's perspective and God's way of doing relationships, I pray that we're willing to be moved. We're willing to maybe hear some things that may offend our thinking, that may challenge our thinking, that may require some shifting of our perspective on some words or some thoughts to take place. This past month of January, Pastor Stephen may have mentioned it, but he, he challenged a few of us men to do something called a Bible shred of reading through the Bible in a month. And I remember when he first presented it, I was like, that's awesome. You go do that with some people. I have no desire to do that right now. And that was another, I think, one of those chuckle moments for God. He reminded me in that moment, he, he was like, you wanted to read through the Message Bible this year. Why not do it in a month? Why not just jump in and get it done with? And so I did step into that. But one thing that just I loved about the process of going through it is God reminding me that he's a God that loves and desires to be in relationship with his creation. That God loves to see moments where his presence can dwell amongst us, from the time in the garden with Adam and Eve, to appearing to Abraham and establishing a covenant relationship and a blessing that would come through him, to the times that he intentionally created a space amongst his people with the tabernacle and with the temple where his very presence could dwell, to the point of sending his son Jesus here on earth in human form to dwell amongst us, to disciple some people that would then go on to start the church and have the space that even we continue on today where God's presence can come and dwell. God loves community and he desires us to be in community. This is a place where we can grow but we can mature in the faith together as we come together as believers. I love the passage from 
Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, that says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So important for us to meet together. It's not about just being in a building or like going through these ritual routines of a part of a religion. It's actually getting around people that are actually going to call us to account for some things. Shake us up a little bit. Be an outlet for some things that we need to process through in our life. The church is a place where that can happen. I remember reading this article about relationships, and it said that good social relationships are the most consistent predictor of a happy life. It went on to share different studies that were talking about that good social relationships are not only important for happiness, but they actually add to people's health. They actually add to the longevity of life for people. That if you're in a healthy social relationship, they say not only do you experience happiness, but there's a calm and a peace that comes over you. When you're in negative relationships, on the flip side of that, you feel anxious, depressed, and even lonely. There is a difference. Our world even recognizes that there's a difference when you're in good relationships as opposed to when you're in negative relationships. But I do think there's something deeper there that biblical relationships that are are talked about in the Bible speak to. There's something different about it. And so what we're going to be talking about today is a little bit about the countercultural nature of what we're called to live in with relationships, but even our life in this world not to oppose or disregard our culture. We're, we're called to be in the world, but representing Christ in that. And our relationships are a representation of that too. My message title, if you like writing titles and stuff down, I usually always forget to tell people this, but it's you give or you get what you give. You get out of relationships what you give. We're going to be reading today from Ephesians chapter 5. And this is uh, a section in the Bible that sometimes... Um, has some different takes on it, has some words within it that can be challenging for our thinking. But I do believe as we take a moment to, to unpack it and get into God's desire for relationship and what he's trying to show us, that there will be something intentional that each one of us can take out of it. Whether that be if you're married, you're dating, you're thinking about that one day, or you're just even thinking about relationships and what God's heart behind relationships are, that there'll be something for you today. So we're gonna start in Ephesians 5, verses 21, and reading to verses 33. You got it up there in the Bible, Sky Bible? It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. 
This is a profound mystery. Ain't that the truth? (laughs) But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That's a challenging one, for sure. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And that promise is so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eyes are on you, but as serving the Lord, not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for what good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. My first point today is that biblical relationships are countercultural. There is a different way that God goes about doing things than our world. Our world may look at like, yeah, a good relationship means your life's going to be positive, you're going to feel happy. But a biblical relationship challenges us to go beyond our happiness and actually think more about the other person in the relationship. The challenging thing about this passage, and I've, I've taught it many times, um, I've taught it in school, I've taught it in uh, marriage counseling, we've talked about it, this word submit can be something that's a really challenging word to approach in our day and age. The Greek word is hupotasso. The word in some uh, interpretations comes from a military meaning, which means to, a tr- uh, to arrange, referring to troop divisions, in a military fashion under the command of a leader. In non-military use, there's still a reference here to a voluntary attitude of giving in, of cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. Culturally, I understand that this word has become very controversial and even triggering for many people. Because in our culture, I do believe relationships, and even this word, has been used to explain relationships of superiority and inferiority. Relationships of abuse or mistreatment or even exploitation. However, I do not believe that this is what this verse is talking about. I do believe there is a distinct difference between submission and exploitation. There is a difference between a choice to be under authority and to be exploited by authority, which is not right and something I do view as unacceptable, whether that be in the church, in marriages, in dating relationships, even workplace relationships or family relationships. But again, I don't believe the context of this verse is, that, is what we're referring to when we interpret it this way. We need to take verse 21 where we started into proper context, where it says, both, referring to husbands and wives, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. There's a participation, there's a role in submission that both parties are involved in. My second point is that biblical relationships actually require a mindset shift from getting, what are we getting in a relationship, what value is this going to give me, to giving. Again, a mindset shift from getting to giving. 
This passage actually speaks of a metaphor comparing Christ and the church to the marriage relationship. And when we look at this metaphor, we actually see that it reflects the relationship of Christ and the church operating in harmony together. It speaks of a relationship of trust between Christ and the church, which I believe is healthy for any marriage relationship. I know for myself, I I do feel personally blessed to be uh, in relationship with Shelby. She did such a good job uh, worship leading up here this morning. Uh, Love, I love building up my wife. It's part of a healthy marriage. But I love that God has taken us through some journeys that have challenged us. And we learned early on that if our marriage was going to be successful, communication needed to be the foundation of our marriage. And what I realized through that is that my desire to always be right would not be what would lead to a healthy marriage. Any other husbands can relate to me? Maybe some wives out there too. But there's a a time that you realize and recognize the way I go about doing things, the way this needs to happen in our household isn't necessarily the best way. Being right at the end of the night, even if you know factually you're right, doesn't always result in the best solution to what you're trying to solve with your spouse. The reality is we need to think more about what we're giving to the relationship and the other person than what we're getting and what's about us in the relationship. And when we do that, we can be humbled to realize that we don't always get our way in relationships. But let's unpack this verse a little bit further because it's a challenging verse to look at and what it's asking us to do. The actual act of loving one's wife and fulfilling the husband's role involves complete sacrifice. This is a very countercultural idea of self-sacrifice being what we bring into relationships. For a husband, it does say laying one's life down for their wife as Christ laid down his life for the church. This is no simple task. Furthermore, to treat her as the husband himself would want to be treated, should leave no room for mistreatment. Now the responsibility of the wife is no less daunting. In this metaphor, as women are called to respect their husbands, we see that at the end, there's that part of it, but it also does refer to laying down control and to see the husband in a similar way to they see Christ. There is that aspect of a voluntary submission that I feel there's a valuable role in a spiritual covering of the husband in that relationship, but really both partners in the relationship pursuing God and bringing that into the relationship. Now, let me be clear. I do fully believe that both men and women were created equal. And when we look at the Genesis account, it makes it clear that both were created equal, that both were called as equal partners, or it uses the word warriors, called to bring dominion on the earth. They were called to oversee God's creation that they were a part of. However, equality doesn't mean that these roles are exactly the same, especially in the context of a marriage relationship that is designed to mirror the relationship of Christ and the church. There is a hierarchy in God's kingdom, and this can make things challenging for our our interpretation of scriptures at times. Marriage is a divine ordinance established by God to mimic the relationship of Christ and the church. Furthermore, if both parties do what they are expected by God to do, then I believe the cultural stigma that has been created around this word submission can be dealt with because no one would feel oppressed or inferior in their relationship. 
Paul here is speaking about duties, not rights. This is a challenging thing. It is not the right of a husband to have his wife submit to him, but it is his duty to lay his life down for his wife. That's expected of him coming into this relationship. My point today is not to justify an egalitarian versus a complementarian viewpoint. Actually, I've had many people come talk to me about this, and my response usually is, yeah, I agree with that both, or I don't agree with either. But usually I come to the point of saying, I think we may be missing the point. Because when we put just labels on relationships, often we can make it more fit within our cultural standard of today rather than the biblical standard of what God's asking us to do. I know for me, if you're a part of this church, you will see that both women and men are empowered in leadership. For some people in the church, for some people in our society, that's not something that they would view as acceptable or they would have some issues with that. For many churches, they feel that's not enough, that there actually needs to be a shifting of roles to having women in a position of leadership and and men under them. Not an equality, but a a shifting or a flipping because they've interpreted this passage of its men in leadership and women under that. I will proudly say if if Pastor Kelly or Pastor Britt asked me to do something in a direction of serving under them, I would gladly do it. I would submit to their leadership and their vision for what they're calling us forward as a church to do. But if we're so caught up on just the the legalities of this language and the cultural influence that has reshaped this terminology, I do believe we miss the point of what God is trying to speak to within relationships. Again, our relationships need to be less about what we get or what we can control and more about what we give and are actually willing to lay down. I know in, in our relationship, I had talked about communication being the foundation of it. And there's some things, like even right now for, for personal health choices, um, Shelby takes the lead in that. Right now she's, she's making some decisions for us of healthier eating, a healthier lifestyle, a, a way of doing things. That in those moments I choose, like, you take the lead in this. You have a vision for something that's valuing and benefiting our relationship but also our family and I'll, I'll submit under that, I'll follow your leading and guidance in that. Uh, in finances, early on in our relationship, we both value finances. I like to save a little bit more than Shelby likes to spend. But in that, we, we came to a place in understanding if we wanted to live a debt-free lifestyle, if we wanted to live in financial freedom to be able to steward the money that God's given us in the way he's called us to do so, there might need to be some parameters that work for both of us. So I'm someone who really likes a budget. Shelby has voluntarily chosen, (laughs) reluctantly in moments, but if we want to use this word, to submit under, understanding, trusting within the relationship, that there's a benefit to our relationship and to our family if we can bring our uh, finances into proper alignment. And a willingness to follow the budget, a willingness to follow my lead, and I think this is best for our family. It's both of us working together. When that trust is established there within the relationship, a harmony comes within that relationship that actually allows us to mimic this Christ and the church relationship, but also give glory to God through our relationship and represent that to others. I believe that is the biblical standard we are called to model. My challenge to husbands is to think about how they can lay down their life for, their well, for the well-being of their wife 
and the empowerment of their wife and the things that God has called her into. My challenge to wives today is to think about how you can respect your husband by releasing control to empower the covering of the husband in your home. I believe if either one is too far out of balance, it can lead to an unhealthy relationship, and that unhealthy marriage can lead to impacts on the home that you're in. There needs to be that healthy balance of both coming into agreement of understanding what am I giving to this relationship rather than just what I'm getting out of it. When that trust is established, when that communication is a part of decisions that are being made, I actually think we can move aside from this aspect of submission being something that our culture has used as a triggering word that can't be talked about, that can't be dressed, to actually something of, God, how can I lay down a bit more of my life in this relationship? My third point tonight is that biblical relationships are actually a spiritual battle. I want to go back for a second to um, the word submit in the Greek and unpack that military term connection for a moment. In the military, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine who was in the military, and she was explaining that in basic training, everybody who wants to enter the military has to go through basic training. And basic training is designed to break the will of the individual. Everybody has their breaking point. Everybody has that moment. But the reason that is intentionally designed for that time to happen is because if someone is going to crack under pressure, if someone is going to break down, if someone doesn't have what it takes to persevere through something that's very difficult, they want that to happen in basic training and not on the battlefield. Because they want to prepare soldiers so that when they get to the battlefield, they're ready to submit and listen to the direction and command of the leader who's over them. Not just for their own sake or so someone can be in authority, but really for the very safety of that individual as well as the fellow soldiers that they're fighting with. One of the greatest things that they say of when something can go wrong is when an order of command is, is not regarded, which leads to the death of those around them. But this is something that is still a challenging concept for many of us to think about. But you may be also saying, Brad, like, okay, great analogy to the military, but my wife and I are not soldiers. However, I may disagree with you a little bit. And I think actually in the context of this passage, Paul also would disagree that you're not in a battle. Let's not forget about the larger context of Ephesians. We've just been reading in Ephesians 5 and 6. Right after these relationships, Paul talks about putting on the armor of God. There's an intentionality in these passages that Paul is reminding us that we are fighting a spiritual battle. And if a marriage is just as important as the, the relationship of Christ and the church, well then yes, there's gonna be a spiritual battle taking place and an importance to that relationship to be modeled correctly in our world. As we take a step back in, in looking at chapter five, what I, I love these last two chapters in Ephesians. They're very uh, practical and relatable for us, but challenging in how we walk that out. At the beginning of Ephesians 5, he's actually talking about the importance of being imitators of Christ. And we do that by following Christ's lead. As it continues on in the very verses right before these relationship verses we've been talking about today, it talks about being empowered by the Spirit to take on the temptations and challenges that you're going to face in your world. And then it goes to the place of sharing these um, relationships that are happening in the context of the Roman world, so the time period that Paul is, is living in. And then it goes to the part of talking about the importance of per putting on the armor of God. 
But right after he talks about these relationships, in Ephesians 6.12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's clear that Paul is making a connection to these people that there is a spiritual battle that takes place in all of these relationships, but very specifically, he's addressing the marriage relationship as one that he spent the most time explaining in these verses we've just read. Church, your enemy is not your spouse. Your enemy is not your children. It's not even your parents or your employer for that matter. Your enemy is not your relationships. There are principalities out there. There is a spiritual environment that we're in that we need to be aware of and fighting against. And when we think about relationships differently, when we allow our mindset to shift, we actually can see how God can move in our relationships to allow his glory to shine through these relationships. I do believe there's something in here, whether you are married and thinking about that, you're dating and making a very big life choice for the future of your lives, of realizing this is the expectation. Are you ready to lay your life down to this, for this person you want to marry? Are you willing to let go of some control or your way of doing things as you enter into this relationship? Those are things that I know as, as Shelby and I have done some marriage counseling is, and we, we work at what's the best thing <laughs> advice we could give people entering into that. Um, it's, it's coming back to these things. What are you willing to give into a relationship? What are you willing to let go of? Because that's going to set you up for a healthy and successful marriage. But I don't want to just skip by those other verses. Yes, children, there is a command here that's pretty straightforward. It says to obey your parents. But I want to focus less on that part and more on the part of honoring. Honoring is something that goes beyond recognizing if a parent has done something correctly or not. You're choosing to honor a position of authority. The challenging thing for children is this aspect of submission isn't really a choice. When we're talking about marriage, it is different. We're talking about an adult choosing to voluntarily submit in a relationship. For children, for most of your life, your parents have raised you. They have an authority over you. Yes, they do for the most part know more than you because they've gone ahead of you. But they recognize the challenges that you have. And I think the other part of this verse where it says fathers, I believe that it's also speaking to parents as a general though, but to not exasperate your children, infuriate them, frustrate them, leave them like, oh, in this struggle of fighting, that it's still a twofold relationship, that there's an aspect of actually, it says, to teach your children in the ways of the Lord. There's a way of going about doing that from a place of love and a place of actually understanding empathy while also teaching them accountability and responsibility for their choices that can be done in a healthy way. That even if they don't agree with your decision, I believe they will grow up to understand that it was worth honoring you even if they didn't agree with every decision you made for them. But from the parent's perspective of how do we go about doing this, of relinquishing some control to our kids by giving them some choice, but also helping them be accountability for the, or accountable for those choices that they make and providing an atmosphere where they can learn about the principles and the things of God in your household and model that so that there can be that aspect in a relationship where honoring takes place and growth takes place in those family relationships. 
The last one that's addressed here is um, Ephesians 6, 7 to 9 talks about uh, slaves and masters. Now, I could go into a whole aspect of breaking down the cultural things that are taking place here, and they are slaves, yes, they are in moments being treated as property. Some of them do have um, rights under Roman law, but I I just want to skip ahead to the, the closest comparison that we can have today of what Paul is addressing, what's happening in the culture of his time period, is workplace relationships. And so the challenge with this is that there is actually an acknowledgement that as an employee, employers may not actually always treat you the best. Paul is recognizing that. He's recognizing that's a part of our human society. That's part of the cultural condition of of whatever time period in history we're living in. But he's telling them again to shift their mindset and to shift their thinking about, not about what are you getting out of this relationship and this perfect job, but what are you giving to it? And if your mindset could shift less about like, Um, what you're doing for this employer that you may not always agree with, but more about how do I do the things in my life as if I were serving God and doing them before God, that that's gonna set you up to live your best life. That's gonna set you up for whatever position you're in, whatever job opportunity you have, whatever situation or circumstance you find. He says, whether slave or free, that that's where you're gonna understand what God believes in relationships, of serving and living your life for him, not for humans, not for the authorities that we find ourselves under. But this is also a challenging one because there is an authority structure there. There is someone who has the responsibility on behalf of a company um, that, that you come under the authority of that person. And even if you would do things differently, there's an expectation that you learn to serve under them. And I do believe that when people learn to serve well under leadership that's not even the greatest of leadership, that God is preparing them for an opportunity in a moment where they get to lead and they can do it correctly because they've, they've established the character in their life in the moments where it wasn't the best to recognize a better way of doing things. Now, for employers, there's a challenge. I, I believe there are some here who are, are business owners, who lead other people, who are managers, supervisors. In this, there is also a, a challenge for you as well Um, God speaks about the way that commands and things are given. The way that you treat the people under you is something that's important. You're modeling Christ as you do those things. He's very clear about saying that the way that you treat them um, needs to be done in a certain way. He says, do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours, referring to God, doesn't show favoritism, but he ultimately is in charge So how do you lead as a representation of how Christ would lead other people? You get to take that decision and that perspective uh, into your workplace. So as we wrap up, I'm just going to ask the keys to come back up. Healthy relationships in marriage, the family, and the workplace first start with imitating Christ and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. We then need to remember that living relationally in these areas requires wearing God's full armor in order to bring out the best in relationships. As I was reading through the message, I'm usually one of those people that I'm like, I like the word-for-word translation. I'm, I'm more of, I want the, the scholarly, accurate interpretation. I don't want someone else's misinterpretation of it. But I felt God was really challenging me to read the Message Bible this year because just to get the flow of the bigger story to get out of the things that I nitpick and analyze and critique and just hear the flow of of what he's trying to say through his story. And I actually, as I was preparing this, 
I read through Ephesians 5 where it talks about putting on the, the armor of God. And the message version is much different. But I think it provides something that allows us as we're talking about a mindset shift of thinking about things differently to actually approach some of the concepts that are being talked about here in a different way. So I'm gonna read that to you. I know when I read it, it just, I don't know, it, it encouraged me and challenged me. Okay, what am I doing? It kind of speaks in some language that sounds more like our times, maybe like one of how my students would speak, I don't know. But it says, and that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no weekend war that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You are up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over, but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that, one, so that no one falls behind or drops out. There's just a way that it encapsulates this idea of that we are in a battle, but God has given us things fruits of the spirit, you could say, of what we're supposed to carry into relationships, what we're supposed to discipline our life with, of, of finding moments to be in his word and to be in pr prayer, to prepare us for the battles that will surely come. These are reminders that we need for any relationship that we enter into. But it's a challenging thing to not just think, well, I'm a pretty easygoing person. I'm a patient person. I, I do well with relationships. But I believe each one of us could be challenged to what actually am I offering into relationships? Are there some things that I could shift in my life? Are there some things I could shift about how I approach this relationship, how I view this relationship that would actually allow God's glory to shine in that relationship? As we close today, I do wanna pray for people that have never asked Jesus into their heart for people that may wanna make a decision this morning to rededicate their life, but also for people who may have some broken relationships or relationships that have, a been, have been a struggle in this time. But before I do that, I wanna read from 1 John 4. I believe it does such a great job of reminding us of the gospel message that in any relationship, it starts from a place of love, but we need to recognize it's not this the world's definition of love or happiness or emotions that we're talking about. It's actually experiencing the love of God, which means being in relationship with him so that he, as he fills us with his love, that's what we actually have to share with others. So in 1 John 4, if you wanna turn there with me, starting in verse seven, it says, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed us his love among us. He sent his one and only son into, into the world that we might live through him. 
This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He gave us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. That's the gospel message. A reminder of how God out of love sent his son for us. But not just so that we could be in relationship with God but so that we could lead others to be in relationship with God also. And that the place of relationship could be a place where God's love actually is modeled. It's actually shared. I'm just gonna ask that every head is bowed. I'll ask the, the full worship team to come back up on stage. If there's anybody that hasn't asked Jesus into their heart today or, or is feeling, as I read through that passage, I want to experience that God of love. I want that for my life. I want to pray for you today. I do believe this is the part that unlocks freedom in our relationships, freedom in, a, in a, even our personal world. It's not something that means life is going to be easy, but it's a reminder that you're not living life alone that you have a strength, that you have a source that's far greater than what you could ever do on your own. With every head bowed, if that's you this morning, that you would like to ask Jesus into your heart for the first time, or take this moment to rededicate the commitment of living your life for Christ, I just ask that you slip up your hand this morning. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.